Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews, with your two hosts, two men who could be the tip of your spear, the edge of your knife, or the crack of your ass. It's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> I'll take the last one there, Bread Roll. I think. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm, I'm not proud. Um, yeah, we're back, everyone. Two weeks in a row. This is coming to habit now, Bread Roll. Let's see if we can do the hat trick. We've done, we've done it for a while. Um, and it was your choice last week, and uh, we're looking at a bit of an action film here. So what are we looking at? My choice indeed, JT. Uh, this one is called The Edge of Tomorrow, or just Edge of Tomorrow. It's uh, directed by Doug L- Lyman. Uh, it stars Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton. It came out on June 6, 2014. It runs 113 minutes. It had a budget of $178 million, but it had a box office of $370.5 million. So it did make quite a lot of bank there. Um, Tom Cruise obviously usually does the business, doesn't he? And Emily Blunt, I've become a bit of a fan of. A good action movie for her as well. Yeah, I've actually got that here. Doubled its money at the box office, and Tom Cruise is a big draw, and he still is to this day. Um, apparently, I was reading on IMDb or Wiki, one of the two, they spent $100 million on marketing for this film. Whether that's included in that budget there, or whether that was on top of that budget, I'm not sure. But apparently, the studio and quite a few people got a bit twitchy, because, I mean, I don't know how much they spend on marketing these days, but back then, apparently, it was a lot, and they were getting a little bit twitchy, because... When the trailers and all the sort of posters and that were going up, there wasn't really much interest in it, sort of pre-release. Yeah, it, it was a weird one because I remember when this was coming out and it was advertised quite heavily, but there's a confusion about what they wanted to call it. I had like three names and in the end it came down to Edge of Tomorrow. Someone else wanted to call it Live, Die, Repeat, which ended up being the tagline. So whenever it was advertised, it was like, what the fuck is this movie even called? It's just Tom Cruise running around in a suit on the trailer and everything and no one actually quite knew what the fucking name was. And then... It kind of came and went, and I didn't see it. It was a few years, well, a couple of years ago, probably. Rach um, said, oh, let's watch it, because it's a good film. And I watched it, and I thought, yeah, that was actually quite good fun. And when it popped up on um, Netflix the other week, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to see if JT likes that movie, because it's a bit of a bit of a weird one, but it is just a full-on action movie, which we haven't done for a little while. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd heard of it, both titles, in fact, but I'd never seen it and didn't really know what it was about. I do vaguely remember it being advertised when it came out, but... These sort of films don't tend to interest me straight up, um, certainly these days anyway. And I watched the trailer on Friday night. I said to Kirsty, right, what's fucking bread roll got in store for me this week? Let's have a look. And I sat I didn't have the sound on, to be fair. I just stuck it on my phone. I was like, oh, fuck, you know, I'm going to hate this film. <laughs> uh, but obviously we'll come to my um, my thoughts on it at the end. And um, you said about Emily Blunt there. Do you know what? I thought oh, I must have seen loads of her films. So I was looking at her wiki. The only other film I've ever seen her in is... Um, the bloody Jungle Cruise. I've not seen any other film she's ever been in, I don't think. Obviously this as well now. Oh, I've seen her in loads of things and she has grown on me over the years. I mean, these the more films she's in like this, yeah, she was quite good in Jungle Cruise or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, but yeah, I thought she was good in this. But yeah, she's popped up in loads of things. Another film I keep saying to you, you need to watch is Sicario. Um, mm. That's um, She's in that as well. But she's good because she's one of those actresses who's quite diverse. She does a nice range of movies and I kind of like that. So um, it is good to see her in this. Um, she sort of holds her own again with um, Tom Cruise, who's obviously quite, a, obviously, as we know, a big established action star. Yeah, speaking of Sicario there, just a little bit sort of uh, on a tangent, that's on my um, list now on Netflix, Pedro. So I've made one step closer to watching hey. it. I actually, I actually am going to watch it. It's, it's definitely on my, um, my list now, so I will be watching that shortly. Oh, there we go. And um, as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, I do believe I was right in this. I, but correct me if I'm wrong, anyone answers on a postcard. But I think this is Bill Paxton's last movie, bless him. Um, obviously passed away shortly after. 
But we do like a bit of Bill Paxton on this podcast. He's in a couple of our favourite movies, like Aliens and Terminator, which we have done in the past, shameless plug. Um, they're some of our earlier podcasts as well, so they're a bit more ropey than the current ones. But um, yeah, go back and listen to them if you fancy it. Yeah, I did have a look. I think he did a couple of bits after this. One was a posthumous release after he'd passed. Um, obviously, he must have filmed it beforehand. Uh, you can't film it after you've died. Um, but I think he might have done a couple of low-key sort of things, but this was certainly his last box office, yeah. No, fair play. Yeah. Um, well, if, if you're hired by Disney, they'll just fucking CGI you whether you're living or dead. So, um, yeah, <laughs> luckily, you managed to escape from that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's take a crack at this one then. As always, we're taking the synopsis from Wikipedia and it goes a little something like this. So, in 2015, aliens called Mimics arrive in Germany via an asteroid and swiftly conquer most of continental Europe. By 2020, the United Defence Force, a global military alliance, established to combat the alien threat finally achieves a victory over the mimics at Verdun using newly developed mech suits. In Britain, the UDF plans a major invasion of France, and General Bridgham uh, orders recently attached public affairs officer Major William Bill Cage to cover it. Cage, having no combat experience, objects and threatens to blame Bridgham for in- the invasion fails. Bridgham, and Cage ha- Bridgham has Cage arrested and sent to Heathrow Airport, which is now a military base. Cage awakens to find that Bridgham has demoted him to private and falsely labelled him a deserter. He is assigned to Master Sergeant Farrell and the Misfit J-Squad, all of whom dislike and belittle him. So that's how this one opens there, JT. What were your thoughts, having uh, obviously had a bit of a look at the trailer and thought I was going to stitch you up again? <laughs> well, um, just before we um, I, I sort of say my thoughts on the start there, just looking at that, 2015, um, so eight years ago, um, this was supposed to have happened, and then by 2020. So we're actually in the past, but in the future, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was the future when this was done, so that's quite scary. Um, I mean, yeah, it opens with like a sort of montage of news broadcasts and things, doesn't it? And you sort of see the, the invasion and meteors crashing and all kinds of shit. And um, I can certainly speak for the BBC uh, presenter who's talking to uh, Tom Cruise, and sort of she pops up a couple of times. She's actually a real... BBC news presenter, um, whether she was credited for this or not, I don't know. I can't remember her name. So I'm, I don't know if the, the news presenters from America, France, etc., were genuine news presenters as well, but she certainly was. It's certainly a thing in movies and TV shows now, isn't it? Like beforehand, like back in the 90s and stuff, like whenever they had news reports and stuff, and it was always made up news stations, that wasn't it? But so much kind of real life stuff, um, kind of like so much product placement, isn't it? Like BBC News, Sky News, all that sort of stuff gets brought into movies quite a lot these days, so it's quite interesting to see all that. So uh, a couple yeah. of things that I thought um, with this movie, the way it opens, it reminded me of two things. One, it reminded me of Resistance Fall of Man, the way it was showing the map of like the aliens hitting and then taking over Europe and everything, and then obviously they were stuck on the channel. They haven't quite come to Britain yet. And also the way some of the news flashes were coming up when it's like, oh, yeah, we built exosuits and Tom Cruise is doing his thing, and it flashes back and forth. Had a real Verhoeven thing, like it reminded me of bits and pieces from Robocop and Starship Troopers when they do those sort of like infomercials in between scenes. I was getting those two vibes at the start of this one. Very good shout on both accounts there, Bradwell. Yeah, the old Verhoeven thing, he loved all that sort of stuff. We've talked about that. Another shameless plug, we've done a couple of his films, haven't we? Um, and then it randomly cuts to old uh, Tom Cruise asleep on a chopper over London and... Um, He's talking to old General Brigham there, whatever his name is. And um, he's like, a lot of good soldiers are going to die tomorrow. I don't know why I said it like that. He's English. Um, <laughs> and then, like, Tom Cruise says, oh, I can't stand the sight of blood. Not even a paper cut. And it sort of sets it up. 
And then I was like, because I watched this with Kirstie, although she fell asleep five minutes into it, which is quite annoying. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty standard. This was like Saturday afternoon as well. It wasn't even like late. It's got no excuse. Um, and then I sort of was sort of turned around to talk to her and she was asleep. And then I saw Tom Cruise sort of getting arrested or they, he said, arrest that man and he runs off. So I got a little bit confused as to what was going on there. I did miss a little bit of the dialogue. So the synopsis has kind of filled in a bit of a blank there for me. There we go. Yeah. And one thing I did like is it's very rare. And it's one of the things I kind of like about this film is Tom Cruise playing a character who isn't just automatically like the super action hero, like Mission Impossible and all that stuff where he's like big action star. He's brave. He's got like bollocks the size of fucking God knows what. He's quite a nervous, sort of like unsure of himself character, a bit of a weasel, isn't he? He's like, no, I'm, I used to be like in advertising and my company went bust. Now I just advertise and I sell war products. I'm, you know, I'm not a fighter and stuff. So it was a change to actually see him playing a character that wasn't actually already just some kind of super soldier, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, yeah, he's quite nervous, isn't he? All the time, he's like, I'm not a fighter, I'm not a soldier. He's constantly going on about this. Yeah, because even in films like War of the Worlds, his um, version of that, which I'm not a huge fan of, it has its moments, but he's supposed to be an everyday guy, but he just seems to take an alien invasion pretty casually and sort of run around doing all this crazy Tom Cruise shit. So in this movie where he's in like a full-on action alien invasion, it's nice to see him actually sort of taking a step back a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the synopsis is going to cover it in a minute, but when he first gets in that mech suit, he's all over the shop, isn't he? He's really clumsy in it, but I think that's going to be in the synopsis in a sec, possibly. Yeah, I think it is. And then obviously he gets arrested and then wakes up and that guy sort of kicks him and shouts him. And then we get good old Bill pa- Paxton come along. And straight away, the first time I watched this, I mean, I've only seen it twice. But the first time I watched it at Rage and then earlier today when I watched it for this review. But as soon as Bill Paxton turns up, I'm just like, man, this guy's just brilliant. Anytime he's on screen in any movie, he's just fucking funny. He is good, isn't he? Yeah, bless him. I mean, he was only, what, 61, I think, when he died. He wasn't particularly old, was he? No, no, I don't think he was, but he sort of comes along and he's giving it all the sass and like Tom Cruise is like there going, oh man, I'm, you know, I've been stitched up and all this sort of stuff. I'm, you know, I'm really a commander and all this sort of that. And, you know, and you get to a phone and he's like, don't worry, son, you come with me, I'll get you to a phone. And he just walks him straight into the fucking tent, doesn't he? And he's like, right, these yeah. are your comrades. And this is when he does the fucking speech when he's like, he's got this speech. Obviously, we get a bit of a Groundhog Day feel with this uh, movie, spoiler alert, but it's that bit that I opened with and it's just fucking hilarious to me. He's like, I'm damn proud to have you as a tear for my spear, edge of my knife, crack on my ass. And he sort of flips over the curtain <laughs> and sees they've been gambling. He makes them all eat the fucking cards, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And obviously that bit, you see it about three times in the whole Groundhog Day thing. But yeah, that did make me laugh when he pulls back the, uh, the bait covers and there's the cards under there and they all start and eating them. It's quite good. Yeah, we do get, a, I mean, they're a right bunch of misfits, aren't they? I mean, it says the J-Squad, all the kind of misfits and kind of rejects and everything. I mean, a couple of them, and one bloke in particular, he's been in a lot of British stuff, but um, doesn't look like much of a soldier, does he? I mean, I'm not exactly the most in-shape bloke in the world, but he, <laughs> and he ends up getting into his mech suit naked later on in the fucking movie. He does, doesn't he? I think, I can't remember what his name is. Um, I'm pretty sure he's the guy who's in um, oh, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. He plays his, like, photographer guy. Um, if it's the guy, he's quite a big lad, isn't he? That one is that yeah. the one you're talking about? Yeah, he's in Ali G, I think, years ago, and not all those sort of British things. I think he turned up in a few episodes of bloody like Little Britain and all that lot, but um, yeah, he's certainly done the rounds. Yeah, it did make me chuckle when I saw him because it's not the kind of film you expect to see him in. Because, like I say, he does these British comedies and all that, and I was like, fucking hell, it's Matey Boy from Afterlife, which is the last thing I saw him in. Yeah, then we get the kind of I don't want to say low budget, but the kind of knock off Vasquez, don't we, as well? We got like sort of the to check with all the attitude and everything and it's just all the kind of cliche people that you normally get in these movies as his um 
his squad that we come to know a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah, I did think she was a bit of a Vasquez. Um, I mean, it has got some aliens vibes, doesn't it? There's a bit, again, in the minute, I think, when they get suited and booted, and it did remind me of aliens quite a bit. So, on the morning of the invasion, Farrell and Jay's squad are quickly killed by the mimics who were somehow aware of the planned invasion and ambushed them. Cage uses a claymore mine to kill an unusually large blue mimic, but is mortally wounded by the explosion and covered in the alien's blood. Cage jolts awake to find himself back at Heathrow, reliving the previous morning. His attempts to warn Farrell against the invasion are ignored, and he experiences the loop of dying on the beach and waking at Heathrow repeatedly. With every subsequent loop, Cage battle- Cage's battlefield skills become more and more impressive. During one loop, Cage tries to save Sergeant Rita Rataski, a celebrated hero of the Battle of Verdun. Upon seeing her um, preternatural talent, Rataski realizes Cage can loop time and order him to find her the next time he wakes up. Sorry, lost the words there a minute. But um, yeah, we do get that sort of loop now. And I do love the way this sort of kicks off. It's kind of like a, a sci fi version of the Normandy attack, isn't it? Like coming from Britain over the France, although I assume they're attacking northern France, not southern France in this movie. But the actual um, the quality of the battles and everything, I think, looks pretty damn good when they land on that beach. Yeah, it does look quite good, doesn't it? And that's the bit there. I mean, I said it looks quite alien-esque. They're in the mech suits, and that's old... Um, I think his name's Kimmel. He's got his ass hanging out, isn't he? He's connected yeah. in his suits. <laughs> did make me chuckle a little bit. Um, and when you see all the choppers sort of flying over to France, these sort of slightly futuristic choppers, I guess, there's so fucking many of them. I mean... Obviously, these things happen in real life to a certain extent with the army and that, but I'm like, how the fuck do they not crash into each other? There's hundreds yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, well, there's plenty of crashing when they get to the uh, the beach, don't they? They're being fucking shot down and everything. An old um, naked guy, he gets crushed a few times by the helicopter. Eventually, Tom Cruise figures out how to sort of save him, doesn't he? But you see him getting squished and all that shit. But the first sort of go around where you see him sort of fighting, he can't get his fucking safety off on his gun. He keeps running around like, how would you take the safety off? How would you take the safety off? And... Eventually he does, and when he actually dies and he holds that fucking mine up to the um the big mimic, whatever it's called, the um the alpha, the way it kind of melts his face and everything. I mean, this movie's a twelve A, but that looked pretty fucking gnarly, I thought. Yeah, I mean there's no messing, is there? They land and they're straight into battle. Obviously they've been ambushed because the uh, the mimics knew they were coming, as the synopsis said there. But um there's no messing about. They land and literally they're straight in, aren't they? There's there's no time to like think about anything. And he's like say struggling to get his safety off. How do you get the safety off? Everyone's ignoring him. I think just before they took off, someone's like, it's probably best you don't know because he's flapping about being completely useless. Um, old um, Kim will get squished, like you say. He's like, woohoo, we've landed. He comes a cropper straight away. And I was like, well, this hasn't like sort of held back at all. It's full on straight away. Yeah, just like straight into the action. And obviously through the numerous loops and everything, we do see our Rataski, old Emily Blunt's character. And I love the just her kind of intro. She sort of see him coming out of this ship, she's got this big fucking sword or something, and these two big, like, rocket cannons on her back. I mean, it's very video gamey. this whole thing, is it, with the mech suits and all the crazy weapons and stuff? It looks badass, but, like, we see her die, and then she fucking... Tom Cruise tries to save her at one point, point. she comes over and just steals his battery and runs off, and he's just led there, like, I can't move, and then gets eaten. And then, um, <laughs> obviously, eventually, he does sort of figure out a few things, and we see him kind of save her, and he knows all the enemies are coming from, and she's kind of... You can see the look on her face, like, hang on, how's he doing all this? And then clocks that he's got the time loop thing and she's like oh find me when you wake up 
Yeah, I mean, that confused me at first because I didn't know anything about this film. And obviously he dies there and I'm like, is he dead? Is he not dead? Oh, he's back at Heathrow. Oh, he's back on the chopper. Oh, he's dead again. Oh, he's back at Heathrow. And I was like, what the hell is actually going on here? At one point they've got him on the chopper and they've gagged him, haven't they? Because he's been <laughs> sort of saying he knows what's going to happen and everything. So they've just stuck duct tape over his mouth to shut him up. I mean, these sort of things, they typically happen. There's two things here that always happen in these fucking military movies. One, it's like, yeah, we've got this foolproof plan. They don't know we're coming. They turn up and everyone knows they're fucking coming and they get slaughtered. That always fucking happens. And two, there's a guy who seems to, like, know more than he should do and he's making sense. And what do they do? They just fucking gag him. Like, no one in these military movies ever actually listens to anyone, do they? It's like, now nah, we're just going to carry on and get fucked. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's like, I'm the corporal or whatever i know what's going on no one else has got a clue so you can all shut up and listen to what i say yeah you're right they never take any notes of anyone do they but i suppose <laughs> to be fair like obviously they don't know he, he's been there before and he's come back and he's been there again and come back so they're probably like what the fuck are you on about because to them it's the first time they've seen him isn't it and they don't know who this guy is i mean they're a kind of i would say j squad have been around i don't know how long they've been a, a squad for but they sort of all know each other this new guy's come in shouting his mouth off so i suppose you can see why yeah i mean he is kind of getting their attention because he's sort of like he knows the dialogue and obviously over time he's kind of learned a few bits and pieces because we see him sort of like he's saying stuff before bill paxton finishes and he's like saying mm. to people oh, you're matey boy from such and such and you're doodah and that so they're kind of stopping and being like hang on a minute what's this guy all about but still they put fucking duct tape on him yeah, I do like the way it's sort of obviously... At first I thought, oh, this is going to be quite quite an easy budget. They're just going to show the same scene over and over again. But obviously they don't. Like the synopsis says there, his skills get better every time and there are different battles each time. Because the first time it's almost like an identical run of the... the well, the second time, sorry, it's almost an identical run of the first time. And I was like, well, if they just keep playing this scene over and over again, what a fucking waste of time. But obviously they don't. Yeah, I mean, it would have been an easy movie to shoot, wouldn't it? Right, there we go. A couple of days while lads were sorted. <laughs> Just rinse and repeat. <laughs> so now Cage reawakens and locates Rataski, who takes him to Dr. Carter, an expert in mimic biology. He explains that the mimics are a superorganism in which the omega controls the cere- cerebrum, who the alphas behave as the ganglia through which the omega controls ordinary mimics. If an alpha is terminated, the Omega resets the day and adjusts his tactics until the battle is won. Cage inadvertently hijacked their ability to reset time through his exposure to the alpha's blood. Rataski had this ability in Verdon, using it to win the battle before she was wounded and received a blood transfusion, causing her to lose her power. She tells Cage to locate and kill the Omega to end the alien invasion. Over many more loops, Rataski trains Cage to excel in combat. After a frustrating lesson, Cage escapes to London only to discover that the Mimics will attack there after the next invasion. After seeing visions of a dam in Switzerland where the Omega is hiding and spending many more loops figuring out how to escape the invasion and reach the dam, Cage grows closer to Rataski, but she is only interested in the mission. Convinced that the pair always reach the point of the journey where Rataski is killed no matter what they do, Cage flies to the dam alone. The Omega is not there, and he is ambushed by an Alpha, which attempts to strip him of his ability to reset time, but Cage deliberately drowns himself. That's a fair chunk of the movie, but it does sort of set up what we do here. And there's some, again, it's pretty gnarly, because we keep, obviously, as they go on, like, they get further and further into the battle, like, trying to figure out how to get off the beach. It's like, again, that video game mentality, just trying to get to the next checkpoint and the next checkpoint. But there's some fucking funny bits where... It cuts back and he's trying to find her and there's a bit where he's doing push-ups and he tries to roll under a car and just gets run over and he, the noise he makes is just like, yeah! <laughs> yeah, that bit was quite weird, wasn't it? Yeah, like, he pissed the, um, 
old sergeant off, doesn't he? And he's like, right, drop and do 50. You can blame Cage for that one. They start doing the push-ups. And I say he rolls off and gets squished. I was like, okay, that's pretty random. Then the next time he does it, he does manage to, to roll under there. And that's when he first meets Vitaski, isn't it, I think? He's like, who the hell are you? Go away. What are you doing here? He's really gnarly to us. Horrible to him at first, isn't she? And we see that loop quite a few times when they first meet. Yeah, but where she's aware of it, like he sort of says, you told me to come and speak to you. And she's kind of quite quick on the draw, and she like, takes him to go and meet old um, Carter, who obviously somehow seems to know what everything is. So it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously the day resets for him. I guess they know everything up to that point and know that she used to have the ability until she had the blood transfusion. But she says, you've got to be careful who you speak to because I'll take you away and do experiments on you and it only resets when you die, doesn't it? Otherwise, just stuck being experimented and tortured and shit. So she's like, only come and speak to me and Carter, pretty much. Yeah, I tried to sort of think more and more into this and got myself more confused. I was like, I'm just going to take it as it comes kind of thing. Because like I say... Carter seems to know exactly what's going on, but I'm like, to what point? Because, like I say, when they die, everything resets anyway. So if you think into it a bit too much, it does start to mess with your head a bit, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And there's a bit, I was thinking, I always think this in these movies, like even like, you know, Groundhog Day and like loads of shows have done this kind of, these types of episodes, whether it's sci-fi or all kinds of things where people relive the same day and have to figure their way out of it. Um, eventually, there's always that stage where you must just start to go mad. And I like, get really kind of like, I don't know, frustrated or just start to give up. And he does do that a bit later on. But also, I think when it resets, like the mentally and physically, they're not exhausted, are they? They must just wake up feeling fresh again because he never gets to get any sleep. He's just living his one day, dying, coming back to life pretty much. So I guess he's all wakes up every time, still kind of like full of energy, I'm guessing. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, you're right. He never sleeps, does he? He just ends up back at the start and off he goes again, pretty much straight into it. There's quite a good little thing where he's training with those sort of mech things and um, Emily Blunt's training him and she keeps getting pissed off him, just shooting him, sending him back to the start every time he messes up. Well, that was quite funny. Yeah, because she's like, you can't get injured because if you bleed out, they give you a blood transfusion and you lose your power. We need you to keep it. So she's just literally really ruthless, isn't she? Because he's like, oh, I twisted my ankle, just pulls a gun out and shoots him. And he's like, no, no, yeah. no I'm fine, I can get up. And she just fucking shoots him every five minutes. There's a really random bit. And again, I don't know if I missed something here, but... He just gets on a motorbike and drives down, I think, the mall in London and ends up in a pub. I'm like, what's he doing? How did he get there? Did I miss something? Well, I thought that because there's loads of stuff. Like, they really have to be sneaky. Like, everything's on lockdown because it's, like, the eve of the invasion or whatever. So, like, no phone calls in or out. Bill Paxton said that earlier. You know, obviously, he, as far as they're all aware, is just some fucking private and, and you know, an attempted sort of um, going AWOL or whatever it is they say he's going to do. So all this stuff sneaking around and trying to get just to speak to her. And then like you say, he just manages to get on a motorbike and fucks off down the pub. It's like, that's a bit kind of <laughs> out of sorts, isn't it? Actually, you've been doing all this fucking cloak and dagger stuff. You've just gone off for a fucking, you know, pint down in Weatherspoons. It didn't seem to have any point to it either. He just buggers off, has a pint, and then he's back in training again. I was like, okay, that seemed a bit weird. And then there's a, a scene, isn't there, where they're, him and um, old Vitaski, Emily Blunt, they're on the battlefield and... They've got a bit further this time. They they go and grab a car, and it's got a fucking caravan on the back of it. He's like, "Oh shit, I've got to unhitch the caravan," or I think she's so one of them says it. And it basically is just an excuse to have a bit of CGI because there's a mimic in there, and it comes up, and there's a bit of a. It's quite cool, but that literally was just an excuse to have a bit of CGI. I thought. Yeah, definitely. They could have, you know, just getting the car was one thing. They could have just sped off, but yeah, like I say, it just had to be another fight. And another thing as well, like these mech suits they're wearing are fucking big and they got rocket launchers on the back and stuff and they managed to sit in a fucking car. 
And I know they pull the door off and everything, but it's like, dude, I can't even get into a car sometimes with a fucking jacket on because they're so cramped these days. You're in there with a fucking mech suit. It's only like a fucking Skoda. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go to this house, don't they? And they find a helicopter. And apparently, like, every time they get to a certain point, it crashes. And old, um, I think it's, is it Emily who wants to fly it? And Tom's like, no. Or is it the other way around? I can't remember now. Um, One of them definitely wants to fly it and the other one doesn't think it's it's him and he she's like really against everything he's saying and he's like i'll go make a coffee he makes her a coffee and she's like all right cool and everything seems nice again so it's like obviously coffee's the answer yeah i mean yeah, i love a good coffee as much as anyone mm. but i think this is the bit where it's kind of like he's kind of fallen in love with her but she's just obsessed with the mission and he knows that every time he's run this like they get here and she always dies like he hasn't figured out a way to save her because he's like you know if um you die you're getting that helicopter and the mimic who's asleep over there will wake up and kill you. And then if I go ahead to the dam and I kill the Omega, you're dead for good now. And he's obviously, he doesn't want to let her go, does he? But she's just like, I don't give a fuck. I just want you to stop the invasion. She's all about the mission, isn't she? Yeah, there's a bit here again where I can't, I don't know how it happens, but Tom Cruise, like they're getting the chopper and it all goes tits up and it crashes. And somehow a car rams Tom Cruise through a fucking, into a wall almost. He's on the bonnet of this car and I'm like, how did that not kill him? I mean, he he does die, I think, and end up back at Heathrow, but that's not the bit that kills him. Yeah, no, it's pretty brutal. So I think, yeah, she goes up in the helicopter and it's like wazzing around. It crashes into the barn, which again, like you say, pushes the car, hits Cruz. He goes through a fucking brick wall, but he just manages to get up. And I'm like, dude, that should have fucking reset you if nothing did. Yeah, and then we find out her middle name's Rose before she dies, because um, he's been sort of questioning about her middle name at one point earlier on, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So like, sort of trying to grow a bit attached to her, but he's always like, "You don't speak much, and you get a bit cagey." But again, it's just coming down to her. Like she says something like, "When she had the reset day, she had to watch the one she loved die every single time." Um, and obviously now she's just kind of like, again, the soldier. She's all about the mission and all that sort of stuff. So she doesn't want to get close to him. And then he fucks off to the dam, which does look really nice. Those big sort of landscapes and everything. And he goes in there. There's no Omega, but um, obviously the Alpha turns up, so he drowns himself and ends up back in Heathrow. And this is around the time where he's kind of, um, he's starting to give up, isn't he? Because there's one of the resets where he doesn't go and speak to her. He just goes on a mission on his own, doesn't he? He just takes the bombs, gets a few bits and pieces and just fucks off off the beach. He doesn't even interact with her on one of the um, the runs that he does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is the point where I thought, I can see why this film was called Live, Die, Repeat. I'm like, fuck me, who's seen this thing about 10 times now? <laughs> So, Cage and Vratansky infiltrate the Ministry of Defence, where Cage convinces Bridgham to give him Carter's prototype device, which Bridgham had confiscated from Carter before sending him to the psych ward. This um, device can locate the Omega, but they are all pursued by military police on leaving. During the ensuing car chase, Cage uses the device and discovers the Omega is under the Louvre Pyramid in Paris. Cage is seriously injured during capture and wakes up in hospital to find he has been given blood transfusion and has lost the ability to loop time. Vrataski frees Cage and they recruit J-Squad to help destroy the Omega before the invasion begins. They fly to Paris, where the soldiers sacrifice themselves so that Cage and Vrataski can uh, reach the Louvre. Before luring away an alpha standing between them and the submerged Omega, Vrataski kisses Cage to thank him for getting her this far as he did. The Alpha kills Vrataski and mortally wounds Cage, but he manages to drop the belt of grenades that destroys the Omega. As a dying Cage floats into the Omega's blood, he wakes up en route to his first meeting with Bridgham, who announces on TV that the mimic activity has ceased following a mysterious energy, a mysterious energy surge in Paris. 
Cage goes to Heathrow, which is uh, now a major again, and sees that all the J squad are still alive. He later finds Rataski, who doesn't recognize him, and he laughs. That's pretty much how the movie ends up. But we just go into that typical sci-fi big action fight. Now, don't know. They know where the enemy is. They know what they've got to do. Now, they've somehow, in the space of one day, got to recruit their entire squad to go to Paris and fight it. Yeah, I mean, the bit where they go to Whitehall, obviously, um, old Dr. Carter, whatever his name is, says he's got to go there. And off they go. And um, I know they they must have been there before, but um, old uh, Cage, he seems to know every fucking move, doesn't he? He's like, right, he's going to come out of that door. Then we're going to go down here. It's like, you've got bloody good memory for these things, considering... Obviously, you've been on this loop and you've done so many different things. You seem to you seem to remember every single move. Yeah, and I can't remember I put the fucking tea bag sometimes. Let alone right. remember the fucking moves of a fucking <laughs> twenty soldiers on a high end fucking you know military base, super secret agents, aliens coming out my ass, and all that stuff. But like you say, I don't know how many times he's had to have relived this day. I assume it's hundreds and thousands. But yeah, he just seems to remember, like you say, every fucking bit of dialogue from everyone. It's <laughs> just crazy. Yeah, because the conversation they have with old Brigham is quite quite funny, isn't it? It's like, I've told you this before, and you've pretty much mugged me off, um, but I'm going to tell you again. And then, for some reason, this time, he just goes, all right, then gets the thing out of the safe. I did think that was a bit easy, wasn't it? Because he's like, I suppose it's just to speed the movie along, so we don't have to watch like loads and loads of repeats of things. Because even says in part of the dialogue, he's, he turns around to old um, Brataski, and he's like, don't shoot him again. You always shoot him. Let me talk to him. Yeah. And she's just sat there with a gun in her hand. Um, but yeah, this time he's like, oh, what's that? I do believe you. He walks over to the safe and just gives him the fucking wherever it is, the device. Yeah, I did think that was a little bit easy. But like you say, it, would, it was probably for the running time of the film. But then they make that getaway. They're in a jag, as Jeremy Clarkson likes to say. <laughs> and old Emily Blunt sticks the thing in old Cruz's leg. And then he kind of sees Paris. And then the next thing, he wakes up strapped to the bed and he's had a blood transfusion. I'm like, OK, things have progressed a bit here. Yeah? That bit made me laugh actually because she's like, stick it in your leg, and he's like, ah, and he's like waving it around like he doesn't want to do it. And she just grabs it and fucking heaves it into his like leg. And she is quite fucking full on in this movie, but I quite like that with her character. Yeah, and then obviously he's lost his uh, looping power now. Um, but then he, he goes back and he manages to round up the J squad pretty simply, doesn't he? Because at first they're like, oh, we're not fucking interested. Then again, it's like a movie 101, a couple of sort of words here and there, and they're like, all right, we'll do it, let's, let's go. Then they just managed to somehow commandeer that chopper and get it out because the mission's obviously due to happen. But he's like, we need to do it because we're all going to die. So let's go now. And they're like, all right. And they just fucking take off. And I'm like, no one's noticed you've taken this chopper and gone off in it. Well, that's it. Like, it's a big invasion and they've made a point of it. And it's like, yeah, somehow, like you say, you convinced them in like the fucking blink of an eye and they all fucking hate you. They've known you for five minutes. Um, <laughs> like I say, you managed to get a fucking chopper and all the exosuits and stuff, which I assume are all on, you know, they've got weird activation codes and all that shit going on. They, they do just seem to manage to do it pretty easily, don't they? I mean, I know Brataski's like a war hero, what is it? They call it the um, the full metal bitch or something, which is pretty cool. Um, and then there was an Angel of Verdun as well, but even so, even with a kind of like military kind of um, celebrity and stuff, they st- it still wouldn't be easy just to go and steal a whole fucking helicopter full of armaments. No, it does seem to happen rather simply, doesn't it? And then we obviously get the two guys who sacrifice themselves. I think Skinner and Griff are their names, aren't they? They blow themselves up. And then we do get some quite cool CGI and action scenes here with all hell breaking loose on the chopper and shit going off. It is um, pretty full on the next sort of 10 minutes or so. Like I say, a proper Hollywood action ending, really. Yeah, and it is fucking Hollywood as well because it's a really ridiculous bit. Um, And it's very dark as well. Obviously, it's nighttime when they get there. So they kind of, it does look good, I think, you know, but 
they obviously saved themselves a bit of effort because they made it such a kind of dark set when they're outside the Louvre and everything flying around. So nothing had to look like 100% perfect. There's a bit where they're like fucking crashing the, their helicopter or their big chopper thing, wherever they fly. And Tom Cruise is just hanging on to a bit of fucking cargo rope as it's crashing down and he's bouncing on the water and he skims across it, goes to the glass of the Louvre and falls down all the stuff and just gets up again. It's like, well, you fucking Arnie or something. That would have killed you. Yeah, they definitely would have reset him, wouldn't it? And then there's a bit where there's an explosion and old uh, Potaski lands on top of Cage. I'm like, oh, please don't kiss, because we talked about this last week in the film. Obviously, that was completely different. There wasn't a love scene in that, and they don't. But then about two minutes later, they do. I mean, it's kind of a parting kiss, isn't it? But I suppose they had to put it in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I suppose they know the stakes are high, because if they die now, they're dead completely, because the reset's gone. But... Yeah, I was kind of thinking, I couldn't remember if she kissed him or not. And I was like, don't do this, because they don't always need these love interests. Like, Aliens did perfectly well without a love interest in the movie. But like you say, it's probably more of a parting kiss, because they both technically die in the sort of like coming up bit. Yeah, I mean, old uh, Tom Cruise cage jumps into the scene, the alien follows him. And then I was like, what's going on here? Because like, it looks like he's dead. Then the explosion, the uh, so explosives float up into the old alien's mouth, and uh, off it goes. It blows up. And then cage is just sort of floating about a bit <laughs> yeah this, this is another thing as well in these movies is like how long can every motherfucker hold their breath in these fucking movies like, and he's going for all this like rubble and shit and obviously you can see the light where the omega is and he's going and he's going and obviously he's been running around he's been pounding he's been fine so he'd be fucking puffed anyway i was exhausted just watching it but he manages to swim down i don't know how much how fucking far down he swims while being chased by a fucking mimic does his little thing with the grenades. He get, does get stabbed at one point, but it's like, fuck me, I would have drowned by then. Good job I'm not going to save the world. I'd be crap. <laughs> you do see it in these films, and I didn't do it with this one, but sometimes when they go under the water, I try and hold my breath along with them, and I never get anywhere near how long they do it for. I mean, I'm pretty shit at holding my breath anyway, and I don't like like swimming particularly. I don't see the point of it. You go from one end of the pool to the other normally, and you go back again. What's the fucking point? Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm bad at holding my breath. Um, but yeah, they do seem to do it for fucking ages, don't they? I mean, I suppose he's military trained to a certain extent, although he reckons he isn't. Um, but yeah, it's a bit far fetched. Yeah, but then obviously he blows the Omega up and then resets, and he's back the day before. And he, like it says in the synopsis, he goes all the way back to the start before he even gets thrown. You know, obviously taken and thrown into the sort of like the military or anything like that. And he sees that the kind of the war's ended. And old Mad Eye Moody, fucking what's his name? Bridgham is giving the address saying the Chinese and the Russians are coming across Europe with no um, resistance and they're still going to go across to France as planned, but they're not expecting to find anything. They're just going over to confirm it. And um, yeah, everything seems to be hunky-dory. And then he fucks off to find Vratasky, who obviously doesn't know who he is, and he just laughs and the credits come up. Yeah, the end's quite funny, isn't it? She just goes, who the fuck are you? And she died right in the start when she first saw him. And then the credits roll as he sort of smiles. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that pretty much wraps up our look at The Edge of Tomorrow, as per the wiki synopsis, at least. So, only thing left to do on this one is give it some scores, and uh, it was my choice, so I'll go first. Thank you, Dave. So, um, yeah, as I say, I saw this film, Rach maybe watch it a couple of years ago, and I remember it being quite good fun, so I was quite looking forward to going back and seeing it again, and um, I've got to say, I actually do quite like this movie. Um. It's, I mean, it doesn't outstay its welcome. That's the first good thing. It runs for under two hours, and I think it moves at quite a brisk pace. Yeah, there is a bit, a few sections where you do see the same kind of loop several times, but it always does kind of build to the bigger picture of them trying to get that little bit further and that little bit further. Um, so from that point of view, I don't actually mind it. 
Um, Tom Cruise, I'm quite a big fan of. Um, I know some people don't like him. I know he's in the old Scientology thing in his personal life, you know, making that what you will. But as an actor, I've always found him quite consistent and he is good at action. And it's good to see him doing an action movie, as I said earlier on, where he's not just a big, you know, can do fucking anything secret agent guy. He's just an average guy who doesn't want to be there, but kind of has to be because he's reliving the day over and over. And with Emily Blunt, I think it's brilliant in it. She's a great support character. She's almost a main star in herself and um, plays her part really well. And the rest of the support cast are all good. Um, graphically, I think it looks pretty good. I mean, a lot, a lot of CGI movies these days look pretty washed out. But I think the CGI and the effects in this movie actually look pretty solid. And it was quite gnarly in places for being a 12A. It said it was a 12A on Netflix. So I assume that's what it was when it launched and everything. There's not like other versions or director's cut as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah. Good film, good action movie, popcorn movie. It's quite intelligent, but it's also silly at the same time, and it kind of plays to that and um, does it well. As I say, we've seen these um, Groundhog Day type things done all over the place, and I think this one uses that formula, and it does a pretty good job of it, mainly because the characters, for the most part, are quite likable, and the action is pretty solid. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to give this one a good... Um, I think I'm just going to give it a good, strong three others. I was thinking about giving it four just because I like action movies. But yeah, I wouldn't watch it over and over again, but I would watch it again and probably will in the future. But yeah, this one's going to get a good, strong three others from me, JT. What about yourself? Oh, good stuff, Brad. Well, maybe you could reset and watch it again. Um, (laughs) There we go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, well, I'm going to say I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise. Um, Not because of his Scientology shit, although let's not go there, but that's weird anyway. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of his his films i don't dislike the guy i'm just wouldn't rush to see his stuff um but this is okay though to be fair it's it's hollywood 101 and it is rinse and repeat literally we've we've kind of seen this thing before alien invasions um whatever i mean it's not original um i suppose the the whole reset thing does make it quite original although again we've seen that before but they've combined the two so credit there as you said the cgi though i have to say Apart from a couple of ropey moments, it's pretty damn good. It does look good. It moves pretty fast. There's certainly some whoa moments as things are going on. You know, can't can't really take it all in. Um, Emily Blunt, yeah, I thought she was really good. Um, supporting cast are all good. Old Bill Paxton does his thing, and everyone else is there doing their thing as well. So yeah, um, can't fault the cast really. Um, all in all, yeah, it was okay. This is not the usual thing I kind of go for because I'm not really into the big Hollywood action films, as you know. I find them just a bit boring to a certain extent, even though they're not boring, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, I certainly didn't hate it, um, but I wouldn't rush to watch it again, if I'm honest. But I'm glad I saw it, and it was a good way to spend two hours while Kirsty snored next to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, overall, I've given everything three others recently, so I'm going to go down one give this one just two others, not because I didn't like it, just because I kind of had seen it all before, and I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, although he did nothing wrong in his film, don't get me wrong. Um, so I'll give this two others, but it's a very strong two others, Brad Roll, as you said, a decent popcorn movie, nothing new or incredible, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I watched it. So two others for me. Oh, good stuff, JT. Well, I'm glad you did enjoy it overall. Um, I was wondering, like, is he going to like it? Is he going to hate it? And I, I definitely get what you mean by Hollywood. Like, they are by their nature obviously they're flashy exciting movies but they're boring because they are just all the same if you've seen one you've seen them all over the last decade nine times out of ten so yeah totally get what you mean there but um yeah glad you liked it overall and it wasn't a complete waste of an evening for you oh it was actually an afternoon but no afternoon not at all. Even. um like i say two others has probably been a little bit harsh on it but i've given everything three recently so i thought i'm going to be a little bit harsh just because it wasn't particularly original but 
it's not bad in any way stretch of the imagination. But like I say, I wouldn't rush to watch it again. But if someone put it on, I wouldn't object. Oh, well, there we go. So that is our look at The Edge of Tomorrow. Let us know what you think of this movie, if you're a fan or not a fan. Get in touch and um, give us your thoughts on how we uh, we scored this movie. And if you think we did a just job, you can get in touch with us at The Hyperbaric Ghost on the artist formerly known as Twitter, which is now called X. And join us next week, as we will be going for a hat-trick, but who knows if it gets there or not. And um, JT, what have you chosen for us? Well, Brad Roll, this film has been on our list for a while. We've talked about doing it on and off air. Um, I'm going to stick with the aliens. Um, we're going to go and have a look at District 9. Oh, I think God. we've been meaning to do this for a few weeks. And I think we've both only ever seen this once, haven't we? We have, yeah. And I saw it when it first... We were working together mm. at the time. I think when it first came out on Blu-ray, um, obviously PlayStation 3 had recently come out in the, the year. So we used to get all the Blu-rays in and we always used to grab all the like, new ones just to watch them for a flashy movie. And... Um, that is the one and only time way back then is when I watched that film, even though I own a copy. I think it's the copy I bought all the way back then. I've just never watched it for some reason for a second time. Yeah, same. I, I've watched it probably the same time as you did. Um, well, it would have been, I would imagine, working together. Um, it's on Netflix anyway, I noticed. So before it disappears, I thought we'd better crack on. It's been on our list for about a year. So yeah, District 9 bread roll. Oh, there we go. We're going to get some fucking prawns. And... Um... <laughs> um for next week so yeah join us for district nine and um as always if you've got any movies that you think we should take a crack at um again drop us a message on x and let us know because the movies you guys put forward if they're available on streaming we try and prioritize them a little bit so if there's anything out there that you'd like to see us uh you know take a go at reviewing or just get our thoughts on it let us know and um we'll see what we can do but until then bread roll now for me jt i've just got one last thing to say on your feet maggot